This is Capitalize Your Finances, the show representing you, a select group of excited, ready, and fired up listeners seeking to potentially maximize your money moves and get after it. We don't settle for generic advice of always and nevers. Our currency is our intellect, and we constantly seek the logical way of likely creating advantages to potentially maximize wealth for your personal and unique situations. This show brings you the step-by-step framework to capitalize your finances in all aspects of your financial situation. And we strive to explore strategies and ideas to potentially help you capitalize on your financial decisions. We are capitalizers and this is our show. Welcome back. I'm Christopher A. Paniotu, the Cap and Capitalize. And today we are going to be talking about an extremely overlooked yet incredibly important piece of the capitalizing your finances framework, capitalizing your savings. For those of you that have committed to becoming capitalizers and are back to listen in to another episode featuring my oh so angelic voice, I am so thankful to have you back. For those of you that are new to the podcast, welcome aboard and I'm excited to guide you to the promised lands. If this is your first time, I would strongly recommend you go back to my first episode of the framework, What is Your Purpose? As this will start you from the top and catch you up to speed with fellow capitalizers. Now that the warm and fuzzy intro is complete, let's get into capitalizing your savings. Let me first ask you this. Why do people not like talking about their savings? Going even further, think back to when you were little. Did you talk about savings at the dinner table, at sleepovers, dare I ask in school, with your dog? You get my point. With most things regarding money, people don't talk about it growing up. Don't worry, because it's not your fault by any means. Most people growing up are told to not talk about what? Number one, don't ask how much someone is worth. Number two, don't ask how much someone weighs, especially if you're talking to a lady. Number three, don't talk about sex. Now for the latter two, I I guess if you want to dance with fire and ask someone how much they weigh, nobody's holding you back, but all I know is I was raised to not broach that subject and keep chivalry at the forefront of my mind, or else. Regarding sex, don't worry, that's not going to be a topic of discussion either. So for kids listening, they can take off their earmuffs and resume capitalization. I have a little bone to pick with the first don't on that list because there is a tremendous amount to unpack. I'm not telling people to go around and ask your closest family or friends, let alone random strangers, what they're worth. What I am saying is that it is extremely important to have discussions on how the people you look up to the most got to where they are today. Professionally, I can say with firsthand experience that when people are successful, in this case financially, the genuine ones want to share how they got there. How important is your savings? You ask any one of these people that you look up to, they will say savings is one of, if not the most important area to capitalize. Why is that? Well, to put it bluntly, You capitalize your savings and you are ahead of the majority of your peers. Check this out. Back in May, 2019, the Federal Reserve 
put out a report on the economic well-being of U.S. households in 2018 that said if faced with an unexpected bill of $400, direct quote, 27% would borrow or sell something to pay for the expense, and 12% would not be able to cover that expense at all. 17% of adults are not able to pay all of their current month's bills in full. Another 12% of adults would be unable to pay their current month's bill if they also had an unexpected $400 expense that they had to pay. One-fifth of adults had major unexpected medical bills to pay in the prior year one-fourth of adults skipped necessary medical care in 2018 because they were unable to afford the cost, end quote. Yikes. There's a ton of numbers I threw out at you there. And unless you are one of the few that want to go back and dissect these numbers as if you were trying to crack the Da Vinci Code, I will save you the headache with summing it up here. Four out of 10 people couldn't afford to pay an extra 400 bucks a month because they hadn't saved for it. You take notes and listen to how to capitalize your savings. You will be ahead of 40% of Americans. Not too shabby. How are we going to get there? Better yet, how much is enough? That's right. There is such thing as having too much savings. For starters, Last episode, we spoke about capitalizing your expenses. There's a reason why I had you go through that practice of writing down what you spend. When it comes to capitalizing your savings, expenses go hand in hand. Let me explain. As a general rule of thumb, you want to make sure you have saved in your checking account about a month's worth of expenses. Wait, why are we saving money in our checking account? Great question. Obviously, with the spending of life, money will be flowing in and out of your checking account on a regular basis. If you have a cushion of a month's worth of money in that account, there is an emotional comfort there. I could dive into how academia and emotion align on this topic, or I could tell you to go back and listen to my interview with Dr. David Blanchett, head of Morningstar's retirement research department, one of the largest investment research firms in the world and arguably one of the most intelligent financial planning minds I know, or I could just say, trust me, because we have much more to unlock in this episode. So selfishly, I'm going to go with the latest and keep moving right along the Capitalize Your Finances Express. Life comes at you fast. So if you have a month's worth of expenses in your checking account, you won't feel defeated when a big month comes up, such as buying little Johnny's birthday party or paying for Christmas presents or Thanksgiving dinner. Once you have that month's worth of savings saved up in your checking account, then comes the question, how much to have saved in your actual savings account? How much is enough emergency fund to have in your savings? I love this answer. It depends. I can already feel you listening in and getting frustrated with that response, but patience is a virtue. By now you know, and I'm not just going to leave a fellow capitalizer hanging. First, it is worth giving you the black and white facts, and then we can customize it to your specific circumstance. 
back when I was studying for my certified financial planner exam, certain things were ingrained in me that I'm forever grateful for. Others, well, that's a different story. But regarding the savings question, the CFP board recommends approximately three to six months worth of expenses to be appropriately stashed away in the good old savings account. What they don't provide is an asterisk right after that statement, as it truly does depend. That range is a terrific ballpark. And to get you to think of where exactly do I fit within this range, let me help you out. Let's say you are single and ready to mingle. Let's also say that you are in a job that does not put your body in a tremendous amount of physical risk. Face it. For some, the worst you have to worry about is a paper cut. For others, you could risk serious injury, which is directly related to your well-being. If you are in that single and ready to mingle arena, coupled with a traditionally low bodily risk job, you could most likely get away with having the three to four months of emergency fund and calling it good. On the flip side, let's assume you're married with a spouse and multiple children, and you are the only income of the household, and you work in construction where getting injured and being off the job would be catastrophic to your family. Yeah, you guessed it. The six months of emergency fund is right up your alley. For you capitalizers that are thinking steps ahead to make sure you are insured for that sort of stuff, don't worry. Down the road in future episodes, I will be taking you through capitalizing what I call gap money and getting into this. Patience, my friends, patience. So when it comes to personal savings and an emergency fund, yes, it truly does depend on the situation and the three to six months is a fantastic ballpark. As you evolve, however, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but when your money starts to make you money and your money's money starts to make you money, wait, what? The emergency fund conversation will shift. Think about it this way. Hypothetically, if you need $4,000 a month to live off of and your money is making you $10,000 a month, how much emergency fund money would you really need? Six months? Three months? I could argue not even that. I'm not going to give definitive answers, but as you know, part of being a capitalizer is conquering all aspects of that topic. So I want you to truly understand and most importantly, think beyond simple answers. I won't even get into when someday you've capitalized your finances and I could dedicate an entire episode to the evolution of one's cash as you progress through capitalize your finances framework. And I just might. But for now, moving right along, just because the three to six months is a great guideline, that doesn't mean that it's set in stone. I have had clients come to me and for a variety of reasons, they simply can't stomach having less than nine months as an example, or with their career, their income fluctuates so rapidly that they truly do need that extra comfort for those thin months where they are not bringing home any of the bacon. That brings me to business owners. Would this relate to how much cash we keep in our business? Terrific question. I thought you would never ask. The answer is absolutely. 
With a business, it's a bit different, but the core principles remain pretty similar. Let's take a look at two hypothetical businesses. The first would be a business with stable revenue, not a tremendous amount of fluctuations, and need it, like a utility, aka you can't live without it. So those businesses could be like a doctor's office or a CPA's office or your favorite financial planner, Christopher A. Paniotti, the cap and cap. Sorry, got carried away again. These types of businesses, you get my point. You could easily make the argument that your business's savings account would be close to the three-month amount. No different than an individual or family with a steady income and not a ton of bodily risk. The other business would be one with extreme volatile revenue earning potential, months of $0 earned, followed by a month that affords a year supply of payroll and or a business that is more of a luxury or desire, such as a hotel, a real estate agency, contractor or consultant it would probably be wise to be a bit more cautious and stick to the six to nine months, maybe even a year's worth of business expenses in your business's savings account. Either way, when it comes to businesses, you want to sit down both with your CPA and your financial planner and go through this prudently and lean on your CPA or tax preparer as they're the ones that know the revenue side of your business just as well if not better than you. It's worth mentioning before we close out this episode why this is so mission critical, if you haven't heard that enough already. Let's take a trip down memory lane back in April of 2020. Towards the end of the COVID correction, the stock market was down roughly 30%, depending on where you read or what you read. The consensus was it's not great. The good news is that if through 2020, if you kept your investments invested, chances are you ended up better off than you were at the beginning of the year. Unfortunately, for many, April of 2020 put them back years, if not decades. And to further the misfortune, for the really unfortunate, there's no way to recover. Now, there are countless reasons why people were put into this situation. But thinking back to the beginning of this episode, where 40% of Americans are not able to withstand an extra 400 bucks of monthly spending, imagine if they had that emergency fund saved. Would they have to tap into their emergency funds? Sure, but that's why it's called an emergency fund. Would it be easy to build that back up? What I can say is that it would be much easier building that up than having to take out a credit card loan to pay that, suddenly throttling you with a massive amount of both debt and interest rates that would make your head spin, plus having to sell your investments while they are down 30%, essentially plummeting your ability to get your investments back to the amount that you had before you had to abort. Is an emergency fund sexy to talk about? Absolutely not. This money just sits there and earns nothing. That's, financially speaking, the definition of boring. Is it valuable? I'll let you be the judge. But the answer is not 
yes or no? The answer is yes and more so than most believe. So there you have it. Not only do you now know how to capitalize your savings, this episode concludes the concept of capitalizing your cash. How cool is that? Now you can brag to your friends that you have become a capitalizer of your cash, capitalizer on your expenses, and know more about your savings than you ever thought possible. The best part, it's simple. Note how I didn't say it was easy. Over time, we will add more and more to your Capitalize Your Finances framework. I also wanted you to know that just because you get ahead, that doesn't mean you keep going without reaching back behind you and caring those that need help. You have been blessed with the gift and although everyone has this power, some just need guidance in seeing it for themselves. So help them. That is what a capitalizer is truly all about. As always, I am so thankful for you all continuing to take a ride on the Capitalize Your Finances Express and tune in into Capitalize Your Finances. In our next episode, we'll be setting the stage for you to capitalize your debt and what goes into this seemingly despicable word. Seemingly? Did he just say seemingly? You bet I did. And with that teaser, I will let you go. And as always, continue to capitalize. The information provided should not be considered specific tax, legal, or investment advice and is not specific to any individual's personal circumstances. Each taxpayer should seek independent advice from a tax professional based on his or her individual circumstances. You should always seek counsel of the appropriate advisor prior to making any investment decision. All investments are subject to risk, including the loss of principal. This material was gathered from sources believed to be reliable. However, its accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Examples cited are hypothetical, are for illustrative purposes only, are not guaranteed, and subject to potential federal and state law amendments. There is no guarantee that you will achieve the results discussed or illustrated. The views and opinions expressed in this presentation do not necessarily reflect those of Lucia Capital Group or its affiliates. Christopher Paniotu is a registered representative with and securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, and member FINRA SIPC. The investment professionals are affiliated with LPL Financial and are conducting business using the name Lucia Capital Group, a separate entity from LPL Financial. David Blanchett and Morningstar Investment Management are not affiliated with LPL Financial or Lucia Capital Group.